0: A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time! And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series! Brewers suck. The Cubs are awesome. That's, that's my... That's fair.
1: I remember running home from school Turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Now hanging out with the guys at Obstructive View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but we're just a bunch of fans who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. This is Ken, also known as Rice Cube on the socials, and with me are the gentlemen of Obstructed View. I got Skip. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good tonight. Awesome. I got Adam, <laughs> able to get away from his parenting duties. Oh, I shirk them whenever I can. And finally, I got Jeff, just back from work. <laughs> Ap- apologize
2: if my dog stars of this podcast. She's very excited that I'm home.
1: <laughs> yeah, Doggie's a Doggie's a Cubs fan. That's great. Excellent, dog. So I thought today, this is the night before opening day, we talk a little bit about what we saw in spring, if we were able to catch a few games in terms of the new rules, the performance of the players, how we think uh, the pitching and defense are going to maybe help us steal some wins, and what we think of the roster as it looks on paper right now. So how's that for a plan, gentlemen?
0: I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. That's oh, good.
2: As the spring gave away to summer, past the
1: ivy-colored dreams, toward the days that kept us yearning for
3: tomorrow. Were you
1: guys able to tune in to spring training? I caught a few games at the tail end of February, and then I got nothing until this past weekend when everything was free, because my MLB.TV subscription was blacked out, because I'm not actually a paid subscriber. Uh, poor me. But uh, I did see enough about the new rules that I just uh, really liked the breezy, brisk pace of the game.
2: It was a little weird to me at first, at least the first few games. I, I thought it was actually a little too fast. But now I I think I've Kind of used to. It. I also haven't wa- watched as many games in the last two weeks, so maybe uh, that's why it hasn't been bothering me. When, when they said they were going to make some tweaks to it, I thought they might add a few seconds onto the clock or something, but I guess they didn't.
0: As someone who listens to a lot more games on the radio than watching, that was one thing I noticed is that when I was able to listen to a game, the increased speed really cuts into their ability to chew the fat in between pitches. So It moves along pretty briskly, and there's not a whole lot of extra fluff. So that'll be interesting when, you know, the radio team comes in and they're doing their thing.
3: Seems like that's perfect for a guy like Jim Deshays, but he's not on the radio, right? Because his comments are usually pretty short and to the point. But I I noticed that too, because I listen in the garage a lot when I'm working on projects and I turn around like, wait, I'm lost. I missed something. Definitely the speed of the game was part of that. But I think I mentioned before that I watch a lot of Myrtle Beach Pelicans games and they put the pitch clock in last year and it was wonderful the The games didn't drag on for three and a half hours, and we could stay the whole game and for the fireworks afterward and still not get home you know super late and so i I love it. I'm usually not really really in in, in tune with a lot of new rules, changes, and tweaks, and stuff, but I think this is fantastic
2: to be fair like e- even under the old rules i would especially on day games, I would often like blink and realize that two innings had passed so if that says now it'll be three innings, but uh, but not not much, not much will have changed uh, in, in a greater sense.
3: When they're striking out all the time, it's it's easy to miss uh, a bunch of innings anyway. So hopefully this year it'll it'll be better on that count as well.
1: Yeah, I used to have a routine uh, when I was going to games live where I just sit through the first three innings just to see the pitcher go through the order at least once. At the top of the fourth inning or so, I go get some food and I'd be back and it would, it would still be the top of the fourth. This, this time you can't really do that. And it's good that they pump the radio broadcast throughout the bathrooms and you can see the broadcast live on TV. But yeah, you're, you're going to miss a lot if you're not paying attention this time. I, I can see that right now and it'll be kind of interesting to see how they decide to put in a few stories like you can't have like a Vin Scully may he rest in peace uh, spinning a yarn anymore you you just uh, have to do this in snippets it's I guess kind of similar to an NBA game like it's just action 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 and then they might have to just do something in the in between inning breaks while the two minute 15 second timer is counting down And what I noticed is like a lot of these games were finishing in like two and a half hours. There were only a handful of games that went above three hours and even like The high scoring games were under three hours. And then there was one game just this past weekend that was under two hours. And that was crazy because they did score quite a few runs. So it was very interesting. And me being on the Pacific time zone, like the games are over at a decent hour and I'm able to do something else with my time. So it is very appealing to me. And I know it's not for everybody because they like to enjoy their time. They like to spend three and a half hours in the sun. That's great. You can't still do that. You're just not going to be in the ballpark as much. I think it will encourage a little
0: bit more. We were talking about it today, one of my in-laws, how it might encourage people to come to the game a little bit sooner, you know, and start taking in the batting practice and some of the pregame things. When you aren't kind of entering into this prospect of a four-hour adventure just while the game's going on, it's more inviting to come early, get a couple of hot dogs and beers and, and whatever ahead of the game and maybe linger a little bit more afterward than you would be when might be looking at a a four-hour game. So I I think that will be interesting. And if it does cut into like concessions and that kind of thing, I would expect to to hear owners kind of gripe about lengthening the time in between innings or doing something to reclaim that money
1: spending time. I'm glad you mentioned that, Adam, because I, I don't know where I saw this. I I think it was probably one of the people complaining about the pitch clock. But somebody said, usually when you go to Wrigley Field, you can for a 120 game, you can get in by 1120 because they give you two hours. Somebody said that they are actually cutting it down to 90 minutes. So unfortunately, you can't get there as early as you, you used to. And now you're leaving earlier because the game's over earlier. So I'm wondering if that is true. And if that's the case, then there's must be something else they can do to compensate the fan. Cause when you get the ticket, you're supposed to get the full experience. You're supposed to see the home team do the tail end of their batting practice before the away team does. So I'm, I'm hoping that the 90 minute thing is not the case, but I, I really honestly just saw it in passing and I don't know where to find it. Cause I honestly don't know how to Google it. Wow, know, maybe, that would be crazy. Maybe the hope is just
2: that they'll have more people there and they'll they'll make up for it in volume. I mean, for a long for a long time, that wasn't an issue at Wrigley, but they don't uh, they don't sell out as many games as they used to at uh, at Wrigley Field.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. they're even selling out uh, opening day just yet because they're still advertising for tickets.
3: Don't you think that the neighborhood's going to like this? First off, the the, the games are going to get over earlier. And so the, you know, people will clear out, but for those that still want to hang around the bars and the restaurants and things are going to be like, yeah, you know, that extra hour you you used to spend in the park, you come spend it with us. We'll take your money.
2: Yeah. I'm sure the bars will love it, but the the neighborhood's always going to find something to complain about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) According to like a, I think it was a baseball America article. They said that the minor leagues didn't see any change in concessions because by the seventh inning or so concessions are going to slow down anyway. and i I think they're they're basically even with before the pitch clock. so that might bode well for us at major league level. Uh, does anybody know if there's a difference
0: between when the ballpark is open? at wrigley and win the extra stuff that they have i I forget what it's called because i i still haven't been to the renovated area but do they ever have it where you can't be in the ballpark but you can be in some of those other kind of extracurricular stuff slash sports book
1: (laughs) i'm pretty sure you can uh the sports book i don't think is open for open Uh, opening day, they're going to be sometime in the summer, but that triangle area with the grassy area where the kids uh, can throw balls and stuff, that's usually open all year except on game days. I don't know when the cutoff is that they start saying, hey, you got to have a ticket to come in on game days because that was like a city ordinance that they were fighting on, that you have to have a game ticket to be there for Uh, noise issues or whatever. Okay, cool. One thing that the Greggs and I talked about last time we had the Dreamcast was the shift. And they were kind of worried that a shortstop or a second baseman can still be positioned up the middle and snag line drives and ground balls. But what was interesting is that the batting average on balls in play really rose, even for lefties, where where the shift would most likely take away the hits because they are restricted into the dirt now. They can't stand in the grass. So they essentially have less reaction time even if they are stationed up the middle. So if you hit it really, really hard, it's getting through. And I thought that was really cool because there were a lot of balls that were hit. And I was like, ah, oh, that's going to be caught. And it was like, oh wait, it squared it through. What happened? And now there's a base runner. And of course with the bigger bases, you've seen a lot of catchers do back picks. You've seen a lot of Guys take bigger leads because the pitcher can't disengage more than twice without balking, right? And so I've seen the Cubs and their opponents steal quite a bit more bases than last year. And so it's been a really exciting game, like just people running wild. That's kind of baseball that I enjoy seeing.
2: Turns out it's like a base, but it could still be pretty close to the bag. So one thing, maybe maybe this is just anecdata from the last game that I actually watched, but it does mean, it does mean like there's still somewhat shifted they're just not extreme shifted right but but i think what it led to uh, at least in that game i don't know if it was monday's game or something earlier this week that the plays were a lot more athletic right so like these balls that would have just been like a boring hit right to where a guy was standing swanson had to make some you know awesome athletic play to get the ball and throw the dude out so it was a little more exciting in that sense too so so the plays some at least some of the plays are still there they're just harder
0: yeah and i think it definitely makes a difference a bigger difference for the left-handed pole hitter the shift that they were playing on you know anthony rizzo is the prototypical shift victim because you're closer to first base on that side you know playing nico in medium short (laughs) right field and you know snagging some of those those balls that are just it really had no business being it's like out. Like watching
2: beer beer league softball with the with a rover.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That is one area of the shift that I really felt like, okay, you know, it's pretty cool to see the out happen, but I don't hate seeing those balls turn into base hits instead of really cool four three put outs or six three put outs, you know, <laughs> depending on who's actually positioned. There in in short right field, so whether it's drastic across the board difference, I, I definitely do like that. The like you say, return to athleticism and seeing a lot of the the balls up the middle that are at least interesting. Just seeing easy putouts when there's three guys all stationed <laughs> to the right of second base, it, it, it did start to look a little a little goofy and as much as I would have liked to have seen hitters adjust rather than the rules adjust. I do like to see it look back a little more back toward standard, conventional baseball defensive formation. So I, I think it's, it is going to make a big difference, especially for the lefties, but for everybody and for fans who just want to see a nice athletically played fair more than three true outcome game.
3: Well, I am all for that, and I I feel like um, in in some ways, you know, now I'm going to date myself. We're we're returning to the era when you know you had Mel Allen this week in baseball, and and you know there was always the defense, the defensive section with all these great plays by shortstops and second basemen, and we're already starting to see that again. And
0: how about that?
3: Right, right, and that's that's just going to be great. Uh, I I think that's way more exciting. Then, you know, what you were just talking about, Adam, and, and oh my gosh, we got so sick of, of watching Rizzo just hit into the rover position because what else is he going to do? I guess not everybody's going to be Carlos Pena and, 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 you know, drop a bunt down toward third base. You know, I, I think this is going to be better. Uh, even if it's, although I agree, I wish the hitters would just adjust, but you know, maybe with everybody throwing 98 miles an hour or whatever now that it's just, that's just not realistic.
1: Yeah, I think the pitch clock is actually forcing pitchers to dial it back just a little bit. Well, first of all, they they probably have to game plan a little bit better because with those 15, 20 seconds, they don't have time to shake off too much, right? And so that requires somebody who does their homework, and that's where the Cubs seem to have a better catching tandem because of all the stuff that you've heard about Wilson Contreras not necessarily doing the homework despite being an excellent hard worker. And he has got the excellent arm, but he just doesn't have the soft skills that, despite the fact that they don't have the bats to match, Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnhart should be able to help navigate this entire pitching staff through the season and maybe save some runs that way. One other thing that I was thinking of, and I, I saw this in various outlets, is that replay reviews are going to be cut down to like 10 or 15 seconds. Do you guys remember the exact time like they they basically have to say right after the play i am immediately holding up my hand and now i got some really small amount of time to look at all my replays and decide whether i'm going to challenge or not so they they got to hold their hand up immediately they got 10 or so seconds to get the video guy to confirm and i think this is going to take away from some of those like This guy's hand was off the base for one tenth of a second after he engaged it, kind of play. Yeah,
2: that that that, that's what I'm hoping for. Like those, all those like weird bang bang plays, I think was not really what, uh, at least the intent of the the replay rules were were there to fix. So it should just be for stuff that's obvious, and if it's obvious, it should only take ten seconds. It'd be great too if they could also. Add something where if it like takes more than three minutes to decide on it, they should just let the play stand and not have an endless review. But maybe that's for for future rules changes.
0: There were a couple of of changes to the timing of the reviews. The manager used to have 10 seconds before like he had that 10-second window to be able to challenge a call, and now it has to be immediate. And even after the challenge is instituted, the umpiring crew – you know, the replay crew in New York or whatever has 15 seconds to overturn the call. So, 10 seconds was the old rule for the manager. Now, there's no, like, there's no time. It's, you have to do it right away or play can resume. The replay crew has a 15-second timer that something has to be, uh, I mean, I'm actually seeing it a a different set of, like, I'm seeing it explained two different ways. So, I guess I'm even confused with you know, reading an article about the, the clarification, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah, they were um, going over
2: it on Effectively Wild either today or yesterday, and I was so confused by all the numbers being thrown around, other than it's faster now.
1: <laughs> yes. You, you, right. you essentially have to have like an intern or a permanent video guy who has just really quick reflexes. They're able to punch the right buttons right away. So because I imagine it takes a while to like spool up the right file or whatever. Uh, And they probably have (laughs) basically a Batcave web station where there's like 17 monitors and they have to look for the right one right away within those 15 seconds. And at second 14 on the 15 second clock, they have to say manager yes or no. And that's it. So it's going to be have to be super quick and they're going to have to like Train guys to to figure this out because this came very, very late in spring training, this clarification, so I don't even think they've had time to figure that out, so this might be a, like a next season thing where they determine how best to set up their system to, to just get an edge on the replay challenges. yeah, and I imagine teams are going to be pretty pissed off if they wind up
0: not challenging something that on further review should have been challenged or if they feel pressured because it's a high leverage situation of challenging something that they waste their challenge on because they really need it to be wrong. Even if it isn't wrong, that's that's going to get some pushback. If it results in a lot of big pivotal and very wrong calls going through, it's pretty interesting. I do like the fact that they, they want to keep it moving and, and, it's it's so funny to see managers like where 10 15 20 years ago it was i'm ready to cough up a lung to prove to you that you were wrong and this call is terrible and you know it, i i saw from my spot way back in the dugout that you're an idiot and that you know my runner was safe and then now when they have a challenge weighing in the balance they're like oh let's look at the review a little bit i'm not sure no, no, you're right. <laughs> Total attitude change.
3: So I have to say, this is this is the one rule that I'm not super excited about because, uh, for one thing, it, it it seems like a solution looking for a problem, and I, I I don't really feel like there's a big problem on replay, except for the ones that, that that Jeff mentioned, the ones that take three or four minutes because they're looking at every other angle, and and I think the solution would have been, look, if you can't. Do this replay in 90 seconds and figure out that the play is either safer out than the call, the, the, the the call on the field stands. And that's, that's the rule I would have made instead of this 10 seconds to look at it and, and whatever. And, and I, I mean, that just seems like it's, it's more complicated than it needs to be. I understand that they're probably trying to get, get rid of some of these ticky tack kind of challenges. But I don't think that that's really that big of a deal. And and I, I saw some place where I did some analysis on that, and 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 these might be adding, oh, you know, a minute or two to a game, or maybe every other game. And so I I really feel like this is kind of an unnecessary thing to worry about, uh, except for those those challenges that take to, that just take too long overall. I guess we'll wait and see, uh, of course, but. But you know this this is the one that I'm like, eh? You know, I mean, this is you can fiddle around with stuff, but you know, sometimes it's not necessary. In fact, what I'd rather have is I'd rather that they actually explain what the challenge is, and and then that the umpire also explains to the crowd and and to the you know the the viewers and listeners what the what the challenge is too, because a lot of times you don't really know what the issue is.
1: I think they do that now. They actually have the like the little NFL referee box on their hip that they can switch on the mic to the TA announcer. So they started doing that last season. Uh, I'm pretty sure of it. And they're going to continue because fans appreciate that. So that's a good point. I know that we obviously want the call right, but I think this will take away from some of the really stupid challenges where literally the guy has the base, just give him the base on principle instead of waiting for him to slide a fraction off. I, I think there there needs to be some curbing of those kinds. Let's talk a little bit about the Cubs, who are going to host the Milwaukee Brewers at Wrigley Field. So obviously the Brewers are... Projected to be better than the Cubs, they're not going to be as good as the Cardinals, but there are ways I think for the Cubs to steal a bunch of wins, and we can talk through the roster. So uh, I'll open the floor to any of your thoughts, guys.
3: I I don't think it's fair to call Milwaukee Wrigley North anymore because we don't really own them like we used to. If the season were ending today with the spring training records, the Cubs would be playoff team, um, which I, I think is great, even though spring training doesn't mean anything. And tomorrow, we'll be in first place. I mean, I I think that's a good place for all Cubs fans to start from, regardless of how realistic it'll be in, say, 10 days from now. And I I don't
0: really have a strong basis for this other than pure gut feel. As good as the Brewers pitching, I think, will be, especially the, the front of their rotation, I really do think they're due for a fall next season and I mean it wasn't like they had a great season last year but I, I think they're going to have some guys bottom out on the offensive side and they are going to kind of stink a little bit That's that's my completely out of town stupid uh, opinion on the Brewers but I I feel like the projections on them are a little lofty and I think they're a couple key injuries away from being a train wreck
2: the biggest yeah. source of confusion for the Brewers, for me, on the Brewers, for me, is, is whenever I see uh, William Contreras' name in their uh, in their roster, they're, they're, their parents could have named their kids a little bit more differently. <laughs>
1: that's true. Oh, yeah, too. yeah.
0: <laughs> I keep forgetting they have him. It's that's nuts.
1: Yeah, I wonder if he's a better game calling receiver than his brother is, though, because that that's the thing with the Cardinals as well is. There are serious flaws with their pitching. I I don't think they're going to be super amplified, but they can be exploited. I'm pretty sure if you just take a look at this rotation-wise, I think it's Brewers and then it's Cubs for for rotations within this, this division because Burns and Woodruff are still good. But I think the Cubs are deeper one through five than the Brewers are.
2: Just to answer the earlier question, uh, William Couture's defensive numbers, at least on bad graphs, are not very good.
1: No,
3: they're not. Uh, He's he's definitely an offensive catcher, and I think that's partly why it was easy for Atlanta to let him go. But, Ken, did you say you thought the Cubs' uh, rotation was better than the Brewers or better than the Cardinals?
1: I think it's better than the Cardinals, but not as good as the Brewers because the Brewers are a lot more top-heavy. They have, like, two guys that you could potentially call aces, whereas I still think of Marcus Stroman and Tyone as number twos.
3: Okay, that, that makes sense to me. You know, the the issue with the Brewers is they're, is they're hitting, and I think their outfield is going to be better this year. I, I'm not sure that um, I, I see a whole lot of promise in their infield. And and, and honestly, if, if anybody gets injured in the Cardinals rotation, then the Reds might actually have a better rotation than them uh, with a bunch of young guys coming up but I, I do feel like the Cubs rotation is solid and they've got some decent folks maybe coming up to help bolster it if, if necessary. So I don't feel like an injury in the Cubs rotation changes it as much as it would in for other teams. So the depth is there, even if it's, even if it's not exciting on the top, it's not, to me, it's not a real disaster area on the bottom either. In that sense, it's probably worth three or four more wins this year than, than what we had last year. So I know we talked about this before, but I'm comfortable thinking of the Cubs as a 500 team, maybe a game or two better than that, but but not much better. But, you know, that could be a wildcard team. I think that's still a little bit of a long shot, but I I definitely think they're going to be more entertaining this year. I, I think the game will be more entertaining with rule changes, and then I think the Cubs will be more entertaining with their personnel this year than they were last year. And so I'm looking forward to that, even if I think, you know, they're still going to be a fair amount of losses. I
0: am a big proponent in looking at the season in, in halves, instead of looking at this as a 90 win team. I'm wondering what they can be in the first half of the season. It's a big stretch, but not that big of a stretch that if they were to win 50 games in the first half, with just a small sample and consistent pitching, they were to be a little bit better than even what their Pythagorean win total says they should be. If they had a strong first half, I think they make a splash at the, at the trade deadline. Otani is the unicorn uh, for who they could get, but I don't think it's completely unrealistic that they could make a big upgrade at the trade deadline if they had a really favorable first half of the season. And I, it's just one of those scenarios, the same way that they looked really good at the end of last year, I think they could look really good. At Really good might be a stretch, but they look good at the, at the end of last year. If they look good the first half of this year, they could make an upgrade to actually be a really good-slash-great team if they play their cards right and everything falls their way which there's no reason to think it it's absolutely going to happen but I do think it could and then it's not that big of a reach to think this team might be really successful in the first 3 months of the year.
1: I also wonder about like so personnel wise you have Wisneski who won the number 5 pitching spot outright in the spring. I don't think he's a number 5. He's got too good of an arsenal. I think he eventually like swaps probably not spots in the rotation, but importance, if that makes sense, with Drew Smiley. And then Javier Assad had a great spring. He had a great World Baseball Classic. I think he he is like your first depth starter because he's already on the roster. You don't have to like option somebody or DFA somebody to get the spot. He's already there. So that's your spot starter right there. So there's depth already on on this opening day roster, even before you have to dig into Iowa or Tennessee. Yeah, I think they actually have a few guys
0: that they can use in kind of that what it seemed like they they and a few teams would experiment with kind of the two pitcher start where one guy would throw three innings and another guy would throw three innings.
2: Or they like piggyback the guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think they have a few guys who can make those kind of starts, and with Hendricks possibly coming, joining the team fairly early on in the season, pitching looks like not an overwhelming strength, but pretty good, solid, deep, positive thing that the Cubs have going for them this year.
1: Yeah, you're looking at a way to keep the games competitive, keep them close. It's kind of like, you know, the NCAA tournament that we were – kind of talking about before we record, where if, if an FAU just keeps get, keep staying close, they're eventually going to upset you. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for. You prevent enough runs. You give the bats time to string together a few hits. You can snag a lot of one-run victories. And that will definitely overcome the Pythagorean uh, record. Even if they have like a negative run differential, they could be in an above 500 team if the luck, the ball bounces their way. And then we're looking at a situation where, like Adam said, you you basically make a huge upgrade. I don't think they need pitching. Uh, it would be nice if they could snag a, a top of the rotation pitcher in trade. I don't know who is available, but I think they, they would definitely need to upgrade to the, the offense and they could do it potentially internally or they could obviously do it in trade. And I, I hope that that happens. Yeah, there, I, I don't know
0: that there's a really good place to throw this in there, but there comes a, a time every season where I switch my fan role from being the GM to being the cheerleader. You know, it was probably around the time that the Cubs actually got a shortstop, <laughs> even if he, he was the great value shortstop I I, you know as soon as they got their shortstop and Dansby Swanson became a cub it was like okay I'm done trying to build a better team and now I'm just figuring out a way to hope that they're actually making great decisions that they're going to work so I'm in that mode now (laughs) I'm I'm done trying to improve the team I'm just trying to improve what I think they're going to do (laughs) so I'm all rah-rah at this point and you know I'll be pushing the self-destruct button in a couple of weeks, probably. But for now, everything's coming up, Millhouse.
1: The the way I've been thinking about it is like, I can complain all kinds uh, about how the Cubs didn't do this, that, but this is the team we have right now. And there is a path to success if a lot of things go right. And I, I hope that one day, possibly, you know, middle of this year, possibly next year that we don't, have to say that we just look at the paper on paper and say, yeah, this game team's going to win 110 games. Great. Instead of having to squint, but there is a way, there's a real, realistic way. And I think it stems from the defense. And I think that's why they had to target Ansby Swanson, not just because he was the cheapest shortstop, the great value shortstop, as it were, but because he actually seems to be able to play very good instinctual uh, defense. And he pairs very well with Nico. And so you got vacuum cleaners up the middle. You got two gold glove caliber outfielders. Uh, you got whoever is standing in right field until Sea Suzuki gets back. And that, that's really kind of fortunate because his oblique injury was apparently mild enough that he probably only misses a week, maybe two. And then he's back after like a short minor league stint. So there, there's a way if they can weather this first series with Milwaukee, like they, this, a worse version of this team was able to defeat the Milwaukee Brewers in the season series last year. So there, there's a way for them to win this opening series. And then they get the beat up on the Reds minus a Joey Votto this next week. So hopefully that means they you got a good start. They get some confidence and then they, they at least make us want to buy some tickets.
3: I mean, look, if they, uh, you know, most of the starters don't go deep in the games in the first three, three games of the series, right? And the Brewers, d- despite having some good guys at the end of the pen, I'm not sure that their bullpen is, is super great. And, and, and I'd say, you know, early in the season, we're probably just, just as good as, as they are in that sense, because they maybe don't have carbon burn going seven or eight innings. And, and so in, in that case, you know, there's, you know, pulling out two wins in the in the first season seems like it's like it's possible, but it but it relies on, you know, they're probably gonna be three to two games or or two to one games or something like that. And in that case, the offense in a lot of ways uh, revolves around some of these guys we have a lot of questions about, right? So Mancini, Wisdom, Bellinger, Madrigal. We've got four guys at the top that are okay. It's the rest of the the rest of the order, and then of course the catchers. We know we're not going to get anything from, and so Adams Adams going to flip uh, from one, you know, from one one role or phase or whatever to another based on Patrick Wisdom and Cody Bellinger. You know who knows? I mean that that can end up being fantastic, or it can end up being just a disaster. And it's really hard to you know neither one of those guys is, is very predictable. You know, so so we could be we could have a lot of heartburn, but you know all it takes is for the for the top four to be pretty good, and then some contribution in in games from the from the bottom four, and uh, and then we do start stealing some of those games like like you said, Ken. So you know the pathways there, it's pretty tenuous though.
1: But to appease you, Skip, uh, at least Zach McKinstry is not on the team anymore. In his place, we have. Miles Buoni, who had a much better spring, and also uh, apparently Luis Torrens, because he was out of options, and I guess they wanted to keep him. They just said, "You know what? You you get a spot now." So,
3: uh, what what do you think the over under is on Zach McKinstry hitting one ninety with the Tigers? I'll I'll take the under. They'll have plenty of opportunities to do it, at least. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right.
0: Oh, it's it's not even fair. Like I feel bad talking about anybody who plays for the tigers it's it's such a terrible place to hit there is one baseball video game i don't remember uh what it was called but you could play on all different kind of surface like you could play on the moon you could play in (laughs) colorado you know there are all these different settings where the physics were just way off in detroit it just feels like this max gravity you know cavernous location where offensive stats go to die so it McKinstry wasn't going to hit great anywhere but god in in camerica oh it's going to be terrible
3: well, they they did move the walls in this year um, to try to to try to make it a little more neutral and a little less pitcher friendly. So you know, Riley Green's got a chance to actually look like a good baseball player this year. So um, so I think that's yeah. You know, and, and and I'm factoring that into McKinstry's 190. Um, so and if he's listening to this, then he's he's cursing me already. Um, so sorry, Zach.
0: <laughs> well, I mean that's that's good. I I feel like one of the other things about about detroit is that and i i could be wrong but i went there one of the first couple of years that it was is was open and it just felt like the stands were 10 miles away from the 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 baseball diamond and it just seemed like there's so much foul territory there it's just a man there's so many so many things about that place that that make it hard to hit but that's good that they move the walls in uh they needed to do something
2: I think they shortened some of them, too. But, but to be fair, we, we are a little lucky with, with Wrigley because, you know, the, the price of the obstructed view seats is the uh, the fact that those upper deck seats are by far the best seats in baseball. Like, nothing in any other park I've been to comes close oh, to the upper deck or really the field seats.
1: I'm actually surprised given the hype that they had, the uh, first Cubs convention in oh so long, the fact that they sold out spring training again, that they can't sell out opening day. And I'm wondering if I'm, I'm just missing something in the weather report or if fans, you know, just suddenly decided that they'd rather pay rent and buy food. But uh, Wrigley opening day usually doesn't not sell out, right?
3: I don't think they sold out last year or if they did it was because they were discounting tickets at the last minute but I'm not 100% sure of that. I mean really we don't really have a big star yet, right? I mean Danzy Swanson was a big sign, but um you know there's, there's 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 it's still a team that doesn't have much of an identity. Right? There's no Aramis Ramirez, there's no Sammy Sosa, there's no Ryan Sandberg. There's no anthony rizzo there's no chris bryant you know so so you know there's just going to be a lot less buzz just because of that until some of these guys really become stars
0: yeah and it's gonna be cold i mean that when they start opening day day one of the season and they don't have that just little extra buffer to let early april play itself out and you know see some potentially warm days come in yeah they I, I think if the team plays well, they're going to start selling out, but they're not at the level where, you know, it's automatic sellout for all the premium dates. And, they, you know, it's just, it's it's not a, a happy time to go to a game right now in Chicago. If you're looking at 40s or 50s and cloudy, I, I don't care what they do to the ballpark. It's going to be miserable watching a game in those conditions.
2: Yeah, it looks like the forecast is forty-seven and mostly
0: sunny for tomorrow, which that's I would definitely take. Yeah, i say for for when for
2: when I led to the Midwest, that was shorts weather.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll take it for walking the dog. I do not want to sit in Wrigley for that.
1: Yeah, because I think uh, that the the way Wrigley is set up and the way the wind works, it it becomes like a big wind tunnel, and it just really sucks. I did go to an opening series, not opening day, uh, one year, and I'm glad they won. But yeah, it was ridiculously cold, <laughs> and that that did suck. It, it was interesting that Skip talked about the lack of stars. Like there are people to market, but as for an identity of the team, basically lost everybody from the last core. Ian Happ is probably going to walk now because the next off seasons. Free agent class is looking a little thin, and Ian Happ appears to be the best, or at least one of the best uh, outfield options on the market. So I feel like he's going to test free agency. He's not getting extended, at least not at this time, based on, you know, his pre-opening day comments. And I I feel like they're probably not going to trade him unless they are completely out of it. So he's probably going to be the QO guy. And given how uh, many of the prospects the top prospects are outfielders maybe they're okay with letting him go although i i'm kind of hesitant to do so because he's been such i i wouldn't say he was elite or anything but he's been solid uh for the past couple of years and that kind of identity that kind of leadership is hard to replace
0: is it though
1: <laughs> uh i I, I don't have a I, I i don't have a
0: strong opinion on Ian Hap. I do think he's been a solid player, but I I think you could probably replace him in any aspect of him fairly easily. Like leadership, there's going to be some veteran out there who is going to have those qualities, or there's going to be somebody within you know the system who can move over to to left field and do what he's done you know one way or the other i i hope they keep him i hope he continues to to make strides forward but i feel like ian Happ is probably the perfect embodiment of this team this is the ian happiest team that you could possibly imagine of guys who are like when they're doing well you're like oh oh well, yeah i didn't see that coming but Nobody who you're like, oh, watch out. Here comes Ian Happ.
1: That's a very good metaphor. And I, I think I appreciate you saying that. I know probably on paper he's replaceable, but I'm just like thinking in terms of if the Cubs aren't ready to compete this year or next, there needs to be someone to take those at-bats to not be embarrassed. Right. I, I don't, I don't actually know because that otherwise they would have me run the team, but I think having the QO helps a little bit because I think he's going to decline it and somebody is going to sign him because there's literally no one else to sign other than Shohei Otani. And he is basically not allowed to play the outfield because he's pitching too. It would suck to lose that defense, but the fact that there are, you know, three of the top 100 prospects and all of them will be our Cubs outfielders probably helps mitigate that. And, you know, I my, my hope is that their bats translate because I know their defense will translate that it, it just hopefully the bats will as well, especially Pete Crow Armstrong.
0: Yeah. And, and I will say, I think your prediction is spot on. I, I think the most likely thing to happen with the in is the extended of qualifying offer and he declines and, you know, tests the free agent waters, but. You know, it really depends on what kind of year he has. He, he took a step forward last year for sure. There's no reason to bet a whole lot of money that he won't be able to take another step forward. But I feel like if he has a, a 2023 that's pretty much, you know, carbon copy adjusted for inflation of 2022, it's exactly what you, you said is going to happen. They're going to extend a qualifying offer. Um, they're not going to want to just let him go for nothing, but he probably is going to want to test free agency. I just don't think he's going to get overwhelmed with offers. He's kind of like that just really good, solid player who has a lot of upside, relatively high floor, relatively low ceiling, good guy, but like not going to, gonna blow you away but man i mean he he was he was pretty yeah. dependable yeah he's fine <laughs> oh my <Thank> God. God. <laughs> but like i
2: said like like you know high, high floor low ceiling you know the, the kind of t- the kind of player like the the pirates might pick up in like early february i don't know maybe because everyone's been extended the fact that he'll be the the top in quotes free agent on the market maybe we'll change things but
3: it's going to be him and Jesse Winker and uh, and um, Michael Conforto or somebody like that. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty thin outfield market.
1: Did Conforto get a pillow contract? I thought he had, like, multi-years, or was, it, was he just the one year with the Giants?
3: I think he's got an opt-out.
1: Okay, because they're, they're doing a lot of those, like, two-year contracts with an opt-out after the first year to try to bypass the QO or something. So the, a lot of teams seem to be doing that. But speaking of extensions, what do you guys think of the Nico Horner extension? I thought it was a pretty interesting kind of win-win short term for both, but also kind of cautious on both their parts. Because Nico is just like, I'm taking the money. And the Cubs were like, we're not giving you that many years, but we're making sure we take care of at least one free agent year.
3: I love it. I love that extension. Um, I think that the, the Cubs get a shorter, a shorter term than you know, a six or a seven year thing, which is my guess is what HAP was looking for. But I think they're paying more than they would out of out of arbitration, but because they're, it's a shorter, it's a shorter period. Then you know, I, th- I think they're going to save a little money in the long run, and then. Um, and I think for, for Nico, you know, he's, he's going to be a free agent when he's what 29 or 30. So he's, he's got a chance at another good payday. And he's probably actually going to make more in the long run if he's good, right? If he continues to produce and, and, uh, you know, and his offense picks up a little bit more. Then he's got a chance at, at a much bigger payday the next time around. So I, to me, I'm surprised that you don't see more contracts like this. But you know, all the all the baseball sites are like, this is such a rare thing, and 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 so it is. But it it makes a ton of sense to me on both sides. I I, I think it's fantastic. See how optimistic I am today. This is like you know, I mean, it's a it's a little change of pace, but uh, you know, it's, it must be the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm on board. I I think it's one of those where it has a little bit to do with the timing of his emergence as a uh, kind of a, a star or a, a starlet. He was a little bit plagued by injury, not terrible, but 25 is a great time to wrap him up for a few years. Yeah, I, I I think I think it works out great for both sides. You know, it, it only takes away one of his free agent years, so he's still in kind of that prime ish window when he does it, or when he is scheduled to hit free agency. So he still could get a, a pretty decent contract if he continues to to escalate in his uh, progression as a as a hitter. Yeah, I I, I like it. It's reasonable. It's a a ton of money for for a guy to get uh, more than he would have expected if they you know went through the the arbitration and he only loses one you know free agent payday in that gamble um and he gets the money now it's still longing for someone to put out a report of what it means for the player and what it means for the team to see that money get front loaded uh like this You know, how much is 30 million dollars or how much is 10 million dollars now compared to waiting to get it as part of a bigger bundle in three or four years uh, with all the risk that you incur as a player who is subject to get hurt? You know, how much is it worth to get the money now? But I'm glad that he's getting it.
1: And to wrap us all up, guys, uh, we will probably like have a series preview, as Persily has promised. But uh, uh, in our game thread, we, we can talk a little bit more about what we saw on opening day. Hopefully the Cubs score like 17 runs and we, we all get like short, small sample size happy. But what are your predictions for this season, uh, given what we know from spring training and the offseason? Uh let's do a win total. I'll I'll start. I'm going to say eighty-three wins. I'll
3: go
0: I'll go with eighty. I'm going ninety-two.
3: Wow. I thought I was the optimistic one. Okay. Um I'm gonna say I was gonna say eighty three, but but since Ken took that one and I, I don't feel like I can copy that, I'll say eighty four and and uh and bump my prediction up a little bit.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I, I would love to see a 92-win Cubs team. Uh, this would be a major league movie for sure. This is the one that they didn't make with the Cubs because they chose Cleveland instead. But yeah, 92 would be... It would definitely be a wild card at 92 because I think most of the wild cards last year, even with the extra that wild card, they had to have at least 88 or 89 wins. So 92 would put them up there. Yeah, I. I'm going to go one step
0: further, and it's not optimistic. I'm going to say they win 92, and they finish out of the playoffs.
1: <laughs> well, that's something to build off of. But both, yeah. both
0: takes. Wow. I don't know if optimism, sadism is a thing, <laughs> but I'm making it one.
2: <laughs> that's I mean, my that, prediction. That, there yeah, are some good teams in the National League outside of the NL Central.
1: That's no, what that's we wanted, right? Too unreasonable. Yeah, but last year it was like a team that was competitive and at least watchable. So now if we have a team that's competitive and watchable and they still finish out of the playoffs, we're still happy because we have some hope for next year. So I'm okay with hope for next year because I don't have gaudy expectations for this. I just think, again, good defense, good pitching, lots of money coming off the books. It should be a very interesting offseason and it should be a very interesting 2023 season especially if they come uh out of the gates guns blazing
0: yeah and and i i feel like it's one of those things where obviously once the season starts you never know what's going to happen and so many variables are going going forward but i feel like 92 wins is still not going to be enough to overtake the cardinals and i feel like between los angeles san diego philly new york atlanta i don't know that any of them finished with less than 92 wins it definitely could happen i just don't know that it works in the cubs favor and i think there are going to be some really 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 god-awful teams in the national league like maybe four 100 lost teams in the nl i don't know it's going to be rough
1: yeah, they really need to fix these, uh, anti-tanking rules. And I, I think the Cubs, because they had like a, were, were they just out of the top 10 for, for bad records? So they can actually tank this year if they really wanted to. But I really don't want them to do that. I just want them to play as well as possible. So I'm entertained, uh, from a very selfish point of view.
3: I don't think the Cubs are going to tank. And honestly, if they did, I, I think Boyer would be out of job. So um they they may be not at, at 50 wins in the first half and and more like say 38 or something like that but I I think um I think that uh you know there's young talent coming up and um and they still have to have some veteran presence and and you know you want to start winning to learn how to win so I I don't I don't feel like this is a tank year at all I I'm not sure that I think it's, it's going to be a surprise year like 2015 but um I, I think it's you know i'm i'm still okay with a solid year so that's that's kind of where i'm at with that
1: awesome well thank you guys for hanging out with me tonight uh before opening day it was a lot of fun uh, very insightful and i think we should try, try to do this more regularly but also you know we we all have lives outside of the Cubs, even with how much we love them. So in close, thanks to Skip, Jeff, and Adam of Obstructive View for joining us on the Dreamcast. Uh, you can find us, uh, if he ever posts anymore, on WS WSDreaming underscore Cubs on Twitter, although Twitter is going down the cesspool, so maybe you just want to go to our Facebook page instead. And, of course, I've been posting quite a bit, and so will Jeff on ObstructiveView.net. No pressure, Jeff. I want to thank <laughs> Rich Deanna and Randall Sanders for providing the theme song and the final out call, respectively. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment if you'd like, share us with your friends, and email us at Dreaming at gmail.com. Any last words, gentlemen? Go Cubs. Sounds good to me, man.
3: Nico Horner hits at least 15 home runs this year. You heard from me first.
0: I oh. would love that. And MVP, Chris Bryant.
1: But he's not a first Cub and last.
0: I know. I know.
1: <laughs> All right. Fair I enough.
0: know, but we'll we'll rue the day that he stopped being a Cub.
1: Uh, I rue that day every day, man.
2: It was more than just a game. <laughs> These Cubs are bone dry. Sorry. <laughs> What's bone dry, Jeff? Oh, it's just the the Millhouse quote. Never mind. You can edit this out. I'm just making a dumb joke.
1: (laughs) I'll have to look that up uh, because I I haven't watched The Simpsons in years, to be honest. So if it wasn't a classic episode, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was, Uh,
2: but it's been been so long since I've seen it, too, that I can't remember the context. (laughs)
1: That's fair.